draw to be sure. And uh, Richard and Juliet, are you here? No, we, they've not made it. I wonder. That's fine. That's fine. We can do that. My sweet baby, unknown from above. No better treasure could I more love. I stand here beside your bed as I pray. I lay my hand on your head and I say, May you grow up to serve Him. May he lead you and guide you in all of your ways. May his hand bless your future with friendships that last. May you cherish your youth and not grow up too fast. Sunny frame, just to think that God knows you by name, He knows every hair on your beautiful head, He knows all your thoughts before they are said. May you grow up. To serve him all of your days. May he lead you and guide you in all of your ways. May his hand bless your future with friendships that last. May you cherish your youth and not grow up. grant you peace in the midst of a storm. May God give you strength even when you're forlorn. May you answer the door when Jesus comes knocking. May wisdom guide you when your mouth is talking. May discretion protect you and keep you pure. May you never stumble or fall for a lure. May your heart remain humble to the very end. May uprightness and truth be what you defend. May the world not ensnare or change who you are. And may the light that's within you shine like the stars. May angels surround you, body, spirit, mind. May favor and peace be yours to find. May rejection and pain never reach you. May your spirit grow bold for what you're called to. As you rest in God's care, I will rest too knowing that Jesus is watching over you. Amen. I love you, Mommy. In our particular tradition, we believe that children have an automatic status before God. We don't believe that uh, until they are baptized, that they are somehow outside the reach of Jesus' love. That the moment they're born, they're special to Jesus. And that is an angel that watches over them. So we're not entering them into covenant so much today. We're not uh, baptizing them into some sort of a sacramental idea what we're doing is simply following a pattern laid down by the parents of Jesus, that when Jesus was eight days old, they went to the temple and they presented their baby to the priest at the temple and they dedicated him for the Lord's work. And in the book of Luke, it says that there was a man there by the name of Simeon who was moved of the Spirit. I'm hoping that today you've been moved of the Spirit. Well, anybody moved the Spirit so far? I trust you've been moved of the Spirit. 
And so uh, there was a man by the name moved to the Spirit, saw the young baby, Jesus, and took him in his arms and he blessed him. And out of that, there was a prophetic dimension where he said, hey, this is more than just a baby, that this is a unique life with a plan and a purpose. And of course, in Jesus' case, it was to save the world from their sins. So we believe that when you come and you present a young child uh, before the Lord like this, there is a prophetic dimension where we can believe. We can give thanks for this young child, these young little babies, little Samantha growing, little Patrick, not so little. Uh, What a name, Patrick O'Brien. I mean, you couldn't get any more Irish, could you? And of course, um, Patrick, you know, is named after a Welshman, of course, not an Irishman. And uh, because the uh, St. Patrick was actually a Welshman, not an Irishman. But a little boy had a vision from God and he changed the world. We are all here today because of a St. Patrick many, many years ago. So just one little life like this can change the world. It's going to be our joy and delight to pray with him and his parents and uh, also little Samantha here. Samantha is a derivative of the word Simeon, which means listening. One who listens to God. Don't know if she's listening to mummy or to daddy, but she's certainly one who's listening. So what we're going to ask you to do is I'm going to read a charge to the parents here. This will only take a couple of minutes. I'm going to read a charge to you guys, and I'm going to tell you what the response is, and then we're going to pray. Is that okay? Is that good? All right. So um, this is a charge to the parents. The children you now hold are a gift from your heavenly Father. Before you thought of the little baby that you hold in your arm, before it even entered your mind, God had already determined that Patrick, Anthony O'Brien, and that Samantha Rose would be born to you both as parents. The birth of a new life is there for an occasion to celebrate and reflect on God's goodness. Fathers and mothers, what is your response? And your response is, I should have told you at the beginning with, is we are a blessed family. So fathers and mothers, what is your response? Oh, thank you. Okay. Now, I'm going to, your next responses are, we are a committed family. Okay. So the Bible urges you as parents to teach your children about the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then will they be adequately equipped to the challenges of this life and be sufficiently prepared to meet the Lord when they're old enough. Your child's spiritual welfare will not be accomplished simply by telling them about Jesus. It is more than the words of your mouth, but it's your obvious example that you set before them that will be the most likely influential step in them accepting Jesus Christ. The birth of your child needs to inspire all of you to a greater resolve to let Christ be the center of your lives at every level. With God's help, will you build a home dominated by love, acceptance and forgiveness and the parents will respond? Very good. And Oh, little Ellie's not quite so certain. Okay. So she, she wants, to, wants to lead worship, does she? Yeah, soon. <laughs> so, hey, now we're going to get involved. So I'm going to ask you to stand because I'm going to read you a charge as well. And the response is we are a blessed and committed family. You want to practice that? Okay. Very good. As community, we are all part of the family of God. As a family, we need to work alongside uh, these parents, particularly at times like this. <laughs> with an effort to portray Christ as their child? Are we merely spectators or will we as a family rise to the challenge of being brothers and sisters in Christ and exhibit godly characteristics and thus provide a continuity between what's taught in the home and what they see in church? Congregation, what is your response? Fantastic. Well, with that, I'm going to pray. I wonder if you could just uh, reach out your hands to these couples and these little ones. Father, Lord, I thank you that Kevin's currently holding Patrick because, Lord, you do actually hold the father responsible for the raising of children. Lord, it's not the church's responsibility. It's not the school's responsibility. It's not the society's responsibility. It's not even the mum's responsibility. Lord, Scripture clearly lays that privilege and that responsibility upon Kevin. 
So, Lord, I pray that you bless him, Lord, with insight, Lord, to, Lord, that you would train up the way in which Patrick shall go, Lord, not the way that we want him to go, but, Lord, give him the insight to know the particular course that you've charted for this little one here in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for, Lord, this uh, wonderful lady here, Karen, Lord, as she's just given birth to another. Lord, with a bit of suffering, I must admit, Lord, Lord, the cost that a mother goes through, Father, to bring a little life into the world, Lord, is just something that reflects your love towards us. Lord, there's a unique connection, Lord, between the mum and the son that, Lord, only a mother will ever understand. So, Lord, I pray that you uniquely bless her. Lord, give her an incredible gift, Lord, to provide a home where there's love and security. And, Lord, we do thank you for Patrick. Lord, thank you for this little squirmy little boy. Looks like his mum. Lord, I do pray your blessing upon him all the days of his life. In his going forth and his returning, Lord, let his basket be full. Lord, let his days be long and healthy in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And we've got a little thing to present to you here. The name of Patrick. I think I spelt it right. And so that would be just something for you here to remember his days. And there's meant to be all the pictures in there showing different things and so hopefully we'll be able to work on that. So thanks, guys. You may take your little worms back to the table. Sorry? Okay, fantastic. And now we're going to pray for little Samantha. Father, thank you for this family, David, for Sarah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, um, Lord, this growing family, Lord. She's arrived, arrived safely in the world, Lord, some distress as well. Lord, we pray for David, the anointing as the king and the priest, Lord, of his home, Lord. For, Lord, our sister here, Lord, that Sarah would be the one who would just be a voice of God, Lord, into this environment over and over again. And, Lord, for little Samantha, Lord, the one who will listen to God. Lord, I pray that in the rhythms and, Lord, in the rhyme of life, that she'll always be in tune and in harmony, Lord, with what's happening around her. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And you may go, and I believe we've got Richard and Sophia here now. Fantastic. Let's ask Robert and Juliet to come out. So, guys, you can go, and we've got a little... We are getting organized. You may be seated. Thank you. Sorry. Now, these are very pretty babies. Oh, look at this. Oh, if you haven't taken any photos now, this is a good time to take photos. <laughs> so you're welcome to come out. Is mum. Let's give mum a clap. Going to come down, mum. You're welcome to come. So we're going to pray also for uh, these. Uh, look at little Richard. Isn't that cute? So cute. Richard means lion heart, brave. So he's going to be a brave boy. And Sophia means wisdom. And so she's going to have wisdom beyond her years. So again, why don't you just reach out your hands toward this family. Father, you've brought them to Australia, Lord. Father, that these uh, children will grow up, Lord, remembering the history of, Lord, of their home nation, but also growing up as Australians. Lord, that takes incredible strength, Lord. Father, we are a blessed nation, but, Lord, we have temptations, Lord, and apathy in things that we don't have, Lord, in other countries where we are so reliant upon you coming through. Here, Lord, we have the temptation to think that we can do it by ourselves. Lord, we've got the job, the Medicare. Lord, we've got all the systems, Lord. And, Father, we make the assumption that we can live life without you, Lord. So for little Richard, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just accept him, Lord, before you, Lord, that you'd give him, Lord, your constant guidance, Lord. Is that angel, Lord, he has a guardian angel, looks over him constantly, Father, Bless him, care for him in Jesus' name. Little Sophia, as cute as she is, Lord, I pray that she'll only ever know the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of family. Lord, we begin life with family. And Lord, I, at the best, at the end of it all, Lord, you want to take us to join your family. Lord, let this family, Lord, never be broken in the by and by. Keep them together, Lord. Thank you for the generations that are reflected. Lord, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations. And we thank you, Lord, for three generations represented here. And that's worth giving God a praise. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you. Um, Steve's just going to briefly share announcements and see if Val's back. Very good. Do you want to come and have a quick word? About your trip away? We can. I'm sure we'll be blessed. Okay, I had a really good trip and I'll update you all uh, properly later with a PowerPoint and all. Not that quick. (laughs) Oh, well, she's a lady that takes you at your word, you know. Have you noticed that? Got to watch her. Yeah. Right, well, we had a great quiz night last night. I've been catching up on that. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but um, those that went had a great time. Um, You (laughs) what? Who was on your team, Gary? Someone else must have been on the (laughs) team. Yeah. a couple of quick announcements um, as you get ready to take up your offering. And it's just a standard tithes and offering today. I don't think there's anything special happening, so you'll be happy about that. Um, uh, there, there's a ladies, the ladies' thing's on the 22nd. Carolyn's not. And there's uh, the, the 2nd of um, October is the last day for bookings. That's it. Okay, so get in now. Um, I think that's um, okay. Five dollar special cake and coffee today. Okay, so everybody should be able to take advantage of that. Okay, um, yeah, we're going to take up the tithes offering. So if the if the um, if the ushers could come forward and and begin to do that would be great. You know, I've just been um, I was talking to Gary the other day um, about where the rubber hits the road. Everybody knows that saying, don't you? You know, we, we have this relationship with God and, and um, you know, it's very real for, for, for most of us that have known the Lord for a while. You know, there's a reality to to our relationship with God which is surpasses reality in the natural. Can anybody identify with that? Yeah, it, it's true. And um, but the, the reality is, the real reality or the natural reality is that we are impacted all the time by the physicality of life and 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 so much of the time we want God to be helping us in that you know because we are human beings yeah and I think that's why he's um you know we know we're forgiven and we're perfect in his sight you know God challenged me with that a, a few weeks ago I was I was racing around in a bit of a fit trying to get to music in time and you know I was sort of as you get up a bit tight because I tend to have a bit of problem with time sometimes but, uh, you know, it's just like something in my heart said, you know, how are you enjoying being perfect in the sight of the Lord? <laughs> Who was that? You know, that, that's scary. They're scary words, aren't they? But look, you know, it says there's now no condemnation in them in Christ Jesus. I, I can't read that any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's quite often the last thing we fear. You know, the rubber hits the road in the physical world. And so I, I see giving as, as one of those areas where... This is where we can show God our reality with him, you know. There's other things. There's prayer. Mm-hmm. There's worshipping him. Yep. And there's giving of our substance. There's probably others, but there are th- three things. I'll hand over to Pastor Mike. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. I'll, I'll preach down here today. Hopefully you can see me. Uh, good morning. It is uh, really a delight to have you in church, and uh, thank you to Pastor David Woods for bringing that word. Live boldly for God and strong. Things are happening in the earth, and we've just had this incredible time where we've just celebrated uh, the miracle of life. And I, I just still find having a little babe in your hand as one of the most fantastic. Here's Grandma with little. Is this Mia, Matilda, Tilly? And, I mean, she is just out. 
in heaven. I still think it's one of the most things. But this week, we, uh, we actually did something a little bit different as a, as a minister. I put on a master's class for senior pastors about what time are we living in in terms of the last days. When I was first saved, we had lots of teaching on when Jesus was coming back to earth. In fact, I think we almost had it figured out, you know. 12th of June, 1975, you know, something like that. Uh, and that's all I've got, not as popular as it's today. And, uh, but one of the things that was presented, I found quite scary. So I'm actually going to throw you a video of this particular scientific announcement. And um, I wonder what you make of it too. So this is the video, guys, on um, the creation of synthetic life. It's about right, you reckon? <laughs> While they're just getting that in there, I want to talk today about uh, family, failure and fa- favour. And when we look at uh, the life of families today particularly, uh, we are finding families are under more attack than any other time. I used to say that 10 years ago, but you know what's worse now? Hasn't got any better. And if you are in a family today where you've got one father, one mother, and, you know, your 2.2 kids sort of thing, you are unique. And one of these that's really slight caught my attention on that lately is that I've just gone to, uh, I've had to go to a couple of funerals lately, and actually our chaplains uh, were the people doing the funerals. And, and you're just there, and you just see... You know, we call it dysfunctionalism. But you just see the pain of families that are not working, really broken families. You know, uh, last one I went to, I mean, there's obviously people in the the funeral party who actually have to go out in the middle of the um, service to actually down some more alcohol. It wasn't just enough to get tanked up before they got there because of what was going on. You know, we're seeing more and more of these sorts of breakdowns. And, you know, families can be really hard work. Does anybody agree? Yeah. Few people can agree. No guy? And scientists announced today they have made a major breakthrough in the quest to create life in a laboratory. For the first time, they have produced a living cell in which the active DNA was put together by computers. What does this mean for science, and does it mean there is now synthetic life? Dr. Richard Besser is here. Rich. That's right, Diane. Today's announcement marks a major turning point. Researchers have now created life from non-living parts. They call it a synthetic cell. World-renowned geneticist Craig Venter has been trying to unlock the mystery of life for 15 years. What have you achieved? We announced today uh, the first synthetic cell. Instead of having a genetic relative that it evolved from, uh, uh, the parent of this cell is a computer. What Venter has done is astonishing. With just four bottles of chemicals off the shelf in his lab, his team replicated more than a million bits of genetic code to create a living organism. Here's how it worked. They isolated bacterial cells and removed all of their genetic material, the DNA from inside. Then they took those four bottles of chemicals and used them to create new genetic material. They transplanted it into the empty cell. That material, that new cell booted up and began to reproduce and reproduce a billion times. I think this is the creation of life and I think it's an experiment that shows that life is not a mystery, that it's not some mysterious force that infuses things that makes them come alive. If you put the right genetic message in the right order, put it into the right environment, it will come alive. But along with promise comes precaution. Like any great scientific innovation, this has enormous promise and enormous peril. Um, This may allow us to make more virulent viruses. This could unleash a bacterium on the world that has properties we didn't expect that could cause great disease or ecological damage. Scientists will surely debate whether this is truly creating new life but no one can deny the potential impact of this achievement. 
Venture says that within a year, this technology will be producing vaccines, and in the future, bacteria may be used as powerhouses to generate energy and clean up oil spills. I'm not so sure with what the one person said, that life is not a mystery, by the way. But what's the one word you've been hearing from scientists all day? Historic. Historic. And it's going to be banner headlines in the scientific world for That's sure. Right. Thank you, Rich Besser. And in those particular cells, in the DNA molecule that was created by the computer, there was actually the web address of the scientists coded into the DNA. So, you know, it's not the first time, you know, man has stood up and says, you know, we're going to do God stuff. You know, I think they built a boat a few years ago that was, you know, so big that even God couldn't sink it, and sadly that fell over. Uh, yeah. So, but we live in incredible times, don't we? You know, and when we have little babies, you know, dedicated to die, I still think there's something about God in that combination of life and hope and dreams and purposes. But, you know, what world will Patrick grow up in is a big question, a really big question. So families can be really hard work and we miss out on some of the best of life because of four poor family dynamics. And just a review of the depictions of family over the last 50 years shows that we've moved from father knows best to the family guy, of which I've never watched, but I'm told it's been removed off the US uh, cable thing over five times for obscenity, nude behaviour, bad stuff. So I don't even know how bad it is, but we've moved, haven't we, in 50 years. Uh, The Brady Bunch has been replaced by the Osbournes. It seems that dysfunctionalism is the norm and the devil laughs because we're burying them younger, more abused, more addicted, more anorexic, more lonely and more depressed than ever. God help us. So we're going to dive into the text of Genesis for probably a couple of weeks and look at the life of Jacob and Joseph. Now Genesis chapter 37 50, from chapters 37 to 50 is one book. Just again, elementary Bible knowledge for you to understand is that when you pick up your B-I-B-L-E, you're picking up a library of books. It's not one book. If you read it from cover to cover, you'll just get confused. You actually have to understand there's a fiction section and there is a history section and there's a narrative section and you need to go to the right things. Also, the book of Genesis is actually a creation of six to seven books. And there is a code running through Genesis. If you want to look at it, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 says, and this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Then you go into the next one, which is um, Genesis 5.1. This is the account of Seth. This is the account of Noah. This is the account. And so when we get to Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, it says this is the story, the account, the history, the generations of Jacob's family. So in Genesis chapter 37, it's actually the story of Jacob. It's not actually the story of Joseph. Most times when a pastor or a preacher opens up Genesis 37, it's to preach on the great story of Joseph. And it is one of the great stories, isn't it? But actually, if you read the text of the Bible, it's not actually Joseph's story. It's actually a story about a father. It's actually a story about a man called Jacob. And so we're going to try and just take that slant and obviously we'll pick on aspects of Joseph, but this is really Jacob's story. So I want you to understand that Genesis 1-1 starts off with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a pretty big statement. That is huge. In the beginning, God. And then we've gone through Genesis. So we've started off with this dynamic that the king of the universe out of the very breath of his mouth has spoken this incredible cosmos into being that's a big statement that's a big idea and then we get into about genesis chapter 37 and we've had a few things happen we've had the garden of eden take place we've had the fall of mankind to take place we've got these embryonic type promises but we get to chapter 37 of genesis and what do we have We have an Arab man walking around the desert in a little place called Palestine, a little place called Canaan that no one's ever heard of. 
It's not really fitting the big story, is it? We've gone from, let's create the universe, the cosmos, down to, we've got a little guy now in a little place doing a little thing. Doesn't fit the big plan of God. We know, because we have the benefit of history, that God intends on doing things with this line of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But they don't know it yet. It's God's big plan is to build a nation out of this little man called Jacob, whose great-grandfather was Abraham. There's a big idea involved. It's about moving from the creation of the world now prophetically into the era of kingdom and government because Joseph actually ends up being the ruler of the world. I mean, he went from the pit to the prison to the palace to rule the greatest empire in the world in that day. So there is a plan going on and God wants us to understand something of the plan and understand that he is moving. So I'm just going to dive into Genesis 37 verse 1 and just read a few verses to you. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived. This is the history of Jacob. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks with his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some bad things his brothers were doing. He obviously wasn't an Aussie because in Aussie culture he would be a... He'd be a dobber. And dobbers are bad, apparently, in Aussie culture. So he was now dobbing. Now, I know if you had siblings, if you had brothers and sisters, you would never have dobbing your brothers and sisters to mum and dad. That would never have happened to you. Um, but And then we read this particular statement. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day he gave Joseph a special gift, a a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because of his father's partiality. They could not say a kind word to him. Now, guys, does this sound like a happy family? Does this sound like they've got some significant problems? There's some real issues going on. Now, step back a bit. What's God's plan for this family? Nation building! This is going to be the the blueprint of what God's going to ultimately do in the church of Jesus Christ. Because if you fast forward it enough, if you project it forward enough, and you go to the heavenly city, which will be the final abode of the people of God, redeemed and sanctified by what Jesus has done upon the cross, there are 12 gates. And on those gates are the names of the children of Israel, Jacob's children. This is big. This is nation building. God's got a plan. He's going somewhere. But right now, he has what we call a broken family. He has a messed up family. He has a family that just are, they're in trouble, aren't they? And so I want to talk to you about the danger of partiality, the danger of family patterns, and also the danger of purpose quite quickly. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other children. And yet... He was the product of exactly the same sort of behavior. If you remember what happened to Jacob, he was a bit of a mummy's boy and he sought his father's favor. But his father preferred Esau, his twin brother. Here are two twins in mummy's tummy fighting each other who's going to get out first. And poor mum says, guys, relax, please. (laughs) please." I mean, amazing thing. Born in conflict... And here they are, still in conflict later. Now, you would think, guys, that if you had a negative family experience in your upbringing, that you'd learn from. You'd think that, wouldn't you? But you know what? This is so true to real life. Most times, we repeat the damage that was done to us. So we're raised in a home where there's an absent father, No matter what we do in life, if we're not uh, really challenged by the Holy Spirit, get growth and things, will there be an absent father when we grow up? Really an incredible dynamic of the pain that happens the moment that we start to get a few things broken in the family. Friends, a broken family 
means a broken church. It means a broken school, means a broken society, means a broken government. Everything breaks down the moment the family breaks down. And that's why the enemy is attacking the family over and over again. He's attacking fatherhood. He's attacking motherhood. He's attacking children in ways that we have never seen before. Because if he can just get us to mess up there, we mess up lives, not for one year, not for one day, but sometimes for a generation after generation. Oh, God help us to have revelation. So there's a danger in partiality. And, you know, as a parent, I'm not writing any books on parenting right now. I'm just doing my absolute best and trusting God. But you know what? I've found that some of your kids are easier than others. Have you ever found that? Has anybody found that out? I've found some are relatively easy and others are tougher. I've found the ones that are tougher are probably more like me. The ones I have the conflict with are probably more like me. Ouch. I know that wouldn't apply in your family, but in my family, that's how it often applies. And so may God help us. See, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other children. There's a history for that. And yet he was the product of conflict with his own twin brother Esau, and he was not his father's favorite. And so, you know, he he deceived his own uh, father, wanting to get the inheritance. He had to run away for his life. And then he worked for his uncle Laban for seven years to get the girl Rachel. Now, Rachel was a looker. She was a good girl. She had the the moves. She was cool. So he wanted to marry Rachel. He has the wedding ceremony. They have the honeymoon and he wakes up with another girl. That would not be nice, I think. I'd be incredibly sure. He wakes up with Leah. Now, Leah is told that she's got weak eyes. We don't know whether it's a color pigmentation. Uh, Some say it's because she had blue eyes. We would find that attractive, but in the Middle East, I would say that's a fault. Uh, But some say it's because of weeping. She was addicted to the idea that her God was, I want to be loved. One of the gods in this world that's a false god that can destroy you is the desire to be loved by another human. That looks almost legitimate. Some gods that will really trip us up are not the ones that are obvious. But some gods that almost look okay can destroy you. I've been around a little while and I've seen woman after man destroy their lives because they worship, I need someone to love me. Please love me. Love me, love me, love me. I'll do anything you want so long as you love me. Friends, there's not a human being on the face of the earth that can actually fulfill that need in you. You were created to be loved by God. And relationships, what we call marriage, is actually what God designed to kill you in the flesh to destroy selfishness, to destroy greed, to help you to live expensively for someone who's not you. Marriage is to help you grow. If anyone ever tells you that marriage is to help you be happy, slap them. Marriage is designed to make you grow. And great marriages will cause you to grow a lot. Now that's not saying it's not happy. But it's putting it in the right place. We are made to worship one God, and his name is Jesus. Anyway, that was all for extra, and I'm so short of time. So So he marries Leah, and her name literally means cow. Now, when you're calling your wife cow, you are in trouble. Unless maybe if you're in a Hindu position. So, you know, the old cow, no, no, not a good move, guys. Stay away there, friends. So she marries Leah. She's literally the ugly sister. And here we have someone who's been born into a family through no fault of her own. Amen? It's not her fault that her DNA has actually presented her in a certain way. 
It wasn't her fault that society places her in this circumstance. It was not her fault that she finds herself in an unloving relationship. It's not her fault. But it's her life. And the name of her first child was Reuben, which means God has seen my misery. Who knows she's not happy? Her second child is Simeon, which means he has heard my suffering. She's not happy. Her third child is Levi, is perhaps he will join me. Perhaps my husband will love me. But her fourth child was called Judah, which is praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder if you're there yet. I wonder if you've gotten to the place where you've gotten into your family dynamics and you recognize that I, I, I am this and it is that. And there's pain, there's misery, and I have hopes and aspirations. But I've wondered if you've pushed beyond this to a place where Leah got to, which is, anyway, I have now broken through and praise the Lord. He makes it okay. I understand now there's a dimension of spirituality that means I can live above my family dysfunctionalism. Hallelujah. 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 That's what Judah means. Hallelujah. Have I come to the right church this morning? Just turn your neighbors. Are you awake? Are you asleep? (laughs) Okay. So she has children. So God has a plan to build a nation. And he will do this. And here's the thing. Out of dysfunctionalism out of disunity, out of heartache, out of the worst mess possible, Jacob's family is still in God's plan. That Jacob's family is still going to get to what God wants. That out of this mess, God is going to build a nation. That out of these 12 brothers who can't talk to each other, that wants to kill their redeemer, Come on, here's the answer. They want to kill that. Out of that, he's going to build a nation. So when they walk back into the land of Canaan, after Joseph had finished, they go in ready to rule the land. Hallelujah. So there's a danger in partiality. Guys, girls, parents, family of God, may we not love the easy ones only. May we love the hard ones. So I'm expecting some love to come towards me now. <laughs> you know, in the church, don't love just the easy ones. Let's love, let's not show partiality. All the schisms and factions of the church of Jesus Christ around the world today are prophetically built into this pattern that we see here in Genesis. God has a plan to make the family okay, together, and we're going to be okay when we get finally called to that party. Now, Jacob deceives. Now, be careful of patterns that occur in families. Now, I'm not overly convinced of some versions of generational curses. In fact, I don't believe in generational curses. I'll just put it out there. But let's be careful of patterns of family behavior. Jacob deceives his father by using a goat and a coat. Jacob is then deceived by his uncle for his wife. He reaps what he has sown. Then he ends up with Leah, not Rachel. But then Jacob is deceived by his sons with the loss of Joseph, again with a coat and a goat and a coat. And then again, Tamar later deceives her father Judah to sleep with her, again using a goat and a disguise. So here we go, guys. We've got to understand that you have to be you. Be you. Don't be someone else. Be honest and be vigilant and be prayerful. And in the name of Jesus, I want to confess the sins of my family and my parents and my grandparents, and it stops here. It doesn't go on. It stops here. Whatever happened to my mom and my dad, it stops here. You know, they've actually worked out that you could actually have perhaps alcoholic grandparents and you may never even seen a bottle of alcohol, but three generations you're living as if you're alcoholics. I mean, you're not drinking at all, 
but the behavior gets passed on from generation to generation where it's acceptable to suddenly let loose verbal abuse and to diminish and to cut down and to devalue because that's what your great-great-grandfather did when he was drunk. But you're not drunk, but you learnt that's how you shout. That's how you do things. God, it's got to stop here. God's building biblical families. God's building better families. God's building families that can hold together, love together, and do it right. So friends, whatever those patterns are in your life, make a decision today in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and His power saying, it stops here. My dad might have been incommunicating. My mum might have been emotional. Whatever it might be, depression, oppression, depression, whatever it is, it stops today in the name of Jesus. God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness by your knowledge with Him. So you can break free today. Break those chains. And finally, the danger of purpose. God does have a plan. So my big idea for you, my takeaway is get with God's plan for your life. Because if God has a plan for your life and you choose to go in directions away from that plan, it's simply going to be incredibly hard for you. Don't be like Jonah. Jonah wants you to go down to the great city of Nineveh. So instead of going that way, he goes that way. And what happens? Storms, disaster, smelly fish bellies. <laughs> you know, who wants to go smelly fish bellies? You know, because eventually God will get his way. Eventually God gets his way with Jacob and the 12 sons of Jacob. He gets his way. But there's pain, there's misery. You know, there's incest, there's attempted murder, there's all sorts of things going on. But God gets his way. So recognize, if God's called you, then follow through the whole way and say, yes, God, whatever you want for my life, because otherwise you'll have the hound of heaven on your tail bring you back to either the choice of disobedience or the pain of dis- sorry, the choice of obedience, or the blessing of obedience or the pain of disobedience. God has a plan. He's going to build a nation, guys. God has a plan for the church of Jesus Christ to become strong, vibrant, and pure. He is coming back for a bride that's not going to be torn up, beaten, bruised, full of acne. He's coming back for a bride that's been perfected. He's coming back soon. God has a plan. So cooperate with God's plan because that is his plan. Jacob lost his son, his loved son. It went down into a pit and there was a coat but it was covered by blood. Hallelujah. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and out of that he comes to the prison to rule from the palace. God has rulership in store for every born-again, spirit-filled believer that will say yes to the purposes of God. That doesn't mean all of us will get to be the boss of everything, but if you're, in, if you're running the local, I don't know, lawn mowing business, then you'll be the best law in my own business in Armadale. You are destined to rule. Don't let family dysfunctionalism get in the way. Guys, uh, can you throw that video for the bottle, thanks? How do I know? I know because I was restless. How do I know? Because I was wild. Because I was addicted. I was lost. Because I was empty. I know because I was living behind a mask. How do I know Jesus is alive? Because he lives in me. Jesus did what no one else could do for me. He took the punishment for my failures, my wrong decisions, my selfishness, my pride, and my sin. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was tortured, crucified, and buried for me. But on the third day, he did exactly what he said he would do. Jesus rose up and walked right out of the tomb. 
in the summer of 1985. July of 2007. February 2005. June 2003. And in August 1995. He walked into my life. And I've never been the same since. Now I am truly living. Now I am sober. I am at peace. I am fulfilled. Now I am free. Now I'm found. My God. My Savior. My best friend. My Lord. My Jesus is alive. The tomb may be empty, but my heart is full. Many of us are so conscious of the brokenness that's on our lives that it stifles, it traps us. But it's my hope and prayer for you today, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll become conscious of his wholeness and what he can do in your life. And that in a very short moment, you can come to a place of revelation. To know that he's more than enough to lift, to redeem, to heal and repair. I'm going to try and sing you a little song that you all know you might be able to help me with. So stand with me. And it's something beautiful, something good. Jesus. Maybe singers, you're welcome to come and help me if you can. You know I can't sing at all, so here we go. Something beautiful, something good. Oh my confusion. Something beautiful. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. It's a very simple little chorus. I just want us to take a few minutes to make it a spiritual decoration in your life. I don't want it just to be a song for you. I want you to be able to say, hey, that's my story. That's what God's doing. It may not be finished yet. He's still working on me. But it's true for me that God has made something out of my brokenness. That God has made something out of my strife. Can you sing that today as a decoration? Can you mean that? Let God then sort of build that into your heart as something really powerful for you to live by. Something beautiful. Something beautiful. Something good. But he made something beautiful of my life. Ladies, can you sing it for me?
gentlemen. Let's sing it. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion. He understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something There is a chorus that goes like this. I will not sing it to you to offend your ears, but it says, If there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And the hope for life's best were the hopes that I harbored down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes, and my castles all crumbled, and my fortune turned to loss. So... I wrapped it all up in the rags of my life and I laid it at the cross. One more time, all together, something good. be someone here today where that has never actually come to you as a reality because you don't yet know Jesus Christ. You don't yet know God in a very personal way. It's not about whether you know about God. It's about do you know Him personally? Do you know His touch upon your life? Do you know His direction? Can you recognize His voice? And the great offer of the good news of Jesus Christ is that if you want to, you can receive the gift of eternal life. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. But it's your choice. God's not going to force anyone. He's given His Son. But what do you want to do with His Son? Do you want to receive Him and accept His offer of life or if you want, He will allow you to turn your back and to go away. But I want to tell you, there are hundreds of people here today that will say something beautiful and something good. He did some excellent things. I was like that old bottle, discarded, hidden, dirty, filthy, that no one would bother to lift me up. That's the promise of Jesus. That if you want, just say, here I am, Jesus. Come rescue me. He would love and rush into where you are today. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, just uh, let's have a moment of privacy. If you uh, just bow your head and close your eyes, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't know what would happen to you if you were to die tonight, as tragic as that would be, but you actually do not know what would happen. It's a question in your mind. Would my eyes open again? Or was that the end? Would my eyes open up? And would I see Buddha or what would I see? I, know, I can guarantee you today on the authority of the Bible that you can know, that you know, that you can know that Jesus Christ loves you. He's got a place for you. And so if you'd like to receive that gift today while the saints are praying, would you mind just slipping your hand straight up in the air? I ask you to be brave, but if that's you today, just slip it straight up. See it, we're going to pray for you. Just look over the congregation, give you a moment. This is your opportunity to receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Is there one here today? Say, Pastor Mike, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Okay, God bless you. Thank you for coming. Appreciate that. Have the band up. I'd like to finish with a nice, happy song. If you've got family stuff in your life that you need prayer for, 
please stay behind. We're going to pray for you. And the rest of you dismissed for fellowship. Love to see you break through. Uh, we are farewelling Michael, Andreas, Wanamata, all the ones from Austria who's been with us for six weeks. It's been a great blessing having Southside here. So thank you, Michael. Take our greetings back to Austria. And uh, we also have Michelle from Melbourne. Uh, to have you here today. And who else do I see? I see you as well. You see me, I see you. God bless you. Yeah, ready to ready to rejoice? So Gemma's here as well. Let's give Gemma a hand. Fantastic. Fantastic. Something. Hasn't God been good to us?